just a delight to be here this morning, to be in the house of the Lord, and our blessings upon our pastors, Josh and Tiffany, that God just give them a time of refreshment and renewal, and we are honored to be here this morning to help uh, come alongside him this morning. If you have your Bibles, open them to Jeremiah chapter 1. Verses 4 and 5, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. While you're turning there, I appreciate the worship this morning. And it seemed to carry a theme, didn't it? And interesting, we honored our veterans. And the theme of the music seemed to be, we're at war. How many knows we're at war? If you don't, you're in a lot of trouble. There is such a thing as spiritual warfare and even though it is invisible, it is very real. How many knows that? The enemy does not sit back on his haunches. His desire is to defeat you, bring you down, turn you from Christ. And if he can't do that, I've always said, he will attempt to make you the most miserable Christian on the planet. But how many knows we have victory in Jesus Christ? Amen. And much of that battle, I've always said, the battlefield really is the mind. And the battle primarily is fought with thoughts, lies, truth, spiritual, fleshly, back and forth. And so that's our battle. And in a sense... What we do is what Jesus did in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights before he began his public ministry where he was confronted by Satan himself. How did Jesus combat his attacks? Jesus combated his attacks with the word of God, God's truth. And how many knows God's truth sets us free? Amen. So this morning, I want to bring God's truth. And I'm believing God this morning that there's going to be some lives set free this morning. In a sense, I want to minister along the idea of truth about who you really are. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, he's speaking to Jeremiah specifically, but generally he's speaking to us. A prophet is a messenger who carries or proclaims a message. And he tells forth this message in both word and deed. And you might say, in a sense, we are all prophets of God. What do you mean, Brother Engel? How many knows we are all messengers? <laughs> We're all messengers. And we carry the greatest message and communication in all of history, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, good news. Amen. That's who we are. So as the sun was created to shine, 
the rose to give forth delightful fragrance, the bird to fly, so you are created anew to do good works in which he wanted you to walk in Lenski's commentary. In fact, may I say this morning, I want to speak on a thought, God's work of art. You are, in fact, God's work of art. And I want to zero in on this idea and what it means, especially to us who are children of God. And we picked up on that last week. Yes, for some reason, and at some particular point in time, okay, we chose to surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful you did so? We decided to surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. But may I say this morning, but before you chose him, please understand God chose you. You were God's choice before he was your choice. So in considering this thought, this truth, I want to go to three scriptures this morning. First of all, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and I want to look at what you are in Christ. Then Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, what you are in this world. And then last of all, Psalm 139, verse 16, what this means to you. Aren't you thankful for God's word? You know what? I cannot imagine going through life without the book. Aren't you thankful God didn't leave us in the dark? <laughs> he has spoken clearly. And his message is so important, it's been written and given to us. And not only that, Jesus, who is the Word, became flesh, walked among us, John said, and we beheld his glory. So we not only have his book, his communique, which is alive and living and sharper than any two-edged sword, we also have Jesus, the Word of God, who became flesh and became our example on how to live in this world. Aren't you thankful he has not left us helpless and hopeless? Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. What you are in Christ. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Note, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What did God prepare beforehand? God prepared the good works that we should walk in. Now, I want to lift a couple of words from this verse, and that is workmanship and created. First of all, workmanship. Workmanship is an interesting term. In the Greek, let me bore you with a little word here, is poema. It's where we get our English word poem. It is the idea of what is created or made. It's where we get the English word poem. What is made, it work, creation. We are his creation. He has made us what we are. May I say this morning... In a sense, it's also related to a word that means to produce, to fabricate, 
something that is made. It has to do with handiwork. You might say this morning that you are the poem of God, the poema of God. And not only his workmanship, but also created. The idea that God has created us. We, uh, uh, look at your neighbor and say, you are a product of the Almighty. You are a product of the Almighty. You are a product of God, His omnipotence. In other words, His masterpiece. Now, when you read Genesis 1 and you have the account of the days of creation, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, six days, God spoke creation into existence. Okay? The beauty that surrounds us, the skies, the mountains, the valleys, the rivers, all of it, the, the animals, the birds, all God spoke into existence. But God's masterpiece happened when God became personally involved when by the dust of the ground, the scripture says in Genesis 1, that he fashioned or formed in some mysterious way with his hands the man-creature. And it, this man-creature was incomparable to anything else that was made. In fact, in all of God's creation, only one thing did he say, I will now make man in my image. Man is made in his image. Not the monkey, not the dolphin, not the fern, God <laughs> made man in his image. Now, if you want to pray to your father up a tree, a monkey, go right ahead. But I know who my father is, and he is my creator. Not only did he fashion man with his hands, but in Genesis 2-7, if you can kind of catch the picture here, there's this amazing form on the ground that God has personally fashioned, but it is lifeless. It's just laying there, but in some mysterious way, the Holy Spirit of God, the scripture says in Genesis 2-7, hovered over this masterpiece and simply And there was life. He became a living nephesh soul. And God stood him on his feet. And then we know in Genesis 2, uh, uh, some people have said uh, the reason God created woman was that God looked at man and said, I think I can do better than that. And <laughs> so in Genesis chapter 2, we have the creation of Eve, which God brings him brings her from his side, okay, and anoints them, and they become Lord Adam and Lady Eve. May I say this morning, you are a product of the almighty God omnipotence. What I'm sharing with you this morning, the enemy does not want us to catch this because much of the battle in our lives are lies of the enemy whose purpose it is, is to keep us beat down, depressed, 
condemned, guilt-ridden. And may I say there are Christians filling churches who are not yet free. But Jesus said the truth shall set you free. And so we are, in a sense, the poem of God. It may not, now, that there's a difference between prose and a poem. A prose follows a certain pattern, a natural flow of speech. A poem doesn't always have to rhyme. In fact, a poem can take many different shapes, and at times they may not seem like it's logical. How many knows that there's been times in our lives that was not logical? It didn't seem logical. It's almost as if we look up to heaven and we say, God, really? But how many knows the most logical thing we can do is trust an illogical God because he's got things under control. And may I say it may not make sense this side of eternity, but there is coming an eternal day when it will be revealed in all its glory for we will be made to demonstrate his glory in our lives. This is what we are. You are a product of what God himself has made you to be. He created you and your spiritual life by his grace. You are a product of divine omnipotence. You are the poema of God. Now the other thing, poems cannot write themselves. Poems cannot write themselves. One writer said this about a poem. He said, if you become his work, you see you can either live trying to make your life your own work or you can let your life become his workmanship. A poem must be written and led by its author. It must flow from the author's heart. So to become the poem of God, you let your life emanate from the author of your life. You let it flow out of the heart of God. You follow his will above your own will, his plan above our own plan. You let his spirit move you, and his love becomes the very impulse of our life and all that we do. Then, your life will flow as it was meant to flow with rhyme and beauty and we will become his masterwork, the poem of God. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. You are not an accident. You are not the idea of just a rescue mission. No, we are created by God spiritually, not just physically. What is God's purpose? God's purpose is good works. Now, it's amazing, you know, I, I, it's amazing how we can take truth and kind of miss the point. Did you ever do that? Just miss the point. And when we think of good works, we have a different idea about the idea of good works. But note, to God alone belongs the honor of for who we are and what we do as Christians. Thus, what this verse is saying, I want you to catch that in Ephesians 2.10. In Christ, hear this, the good works have already been prepared 
in advance. Let me say that again. That's what the text says. These good works have already been prepared in advance. These good works do not originate with us. They were set in place before by God. So, in other words, all the works are ready. In other words, they only await the living doers and their doing. Note, the road has already been entirely paved by God on which we are to walk. All that's needed is for us to walk on it. Get the idea that the good works originates with us. And yes, good works are important, but we fail to realize we are living in these good works that have already been prepared by God and by His Spirit. He leads us on that paved road. Why? The God gets the glory. Paul said in this same chapter, he said, it's not by works that we are saved, but by His gra grace, lest any man should boast. We have no bragging rights. Jesus won all the brownie points on the cross. All the glory goes to him. He simply wants me to walk in his power, what he's already prepared, what he's already paved. Walk in it. Glory. And that takes the pressure off. My Christian life experience is not attempting to be good to earn more of God's favor. Yes, it's important to read our Bible. Yes, it's important to pray. Yes, it's important to give. Yes, it's important to attend church. But that's not what saves me. That's a natural result of my personal relationship with the Lord. That's not getting me to heaven. What's getting me to heaven has already been accomplished 2,000 years ago. Glory. So the purpose of these prepared works in advance, hear this, is not to work in them, but to walk in them. God has prepared the path of good works for you, which he will perform in and through you as you walk by faith. This does not mean doing a work for God. In fact, it is God's performing His work in and through you. I want to encourage you this morning. God has a plan for you. God has a program for you already laid out. If you let God have His way and His will, you will come to that place in your life where you are completely in the will and service of the Master, doing what God wants you to do, serving in the place where God wants you to serve. The assurance that you are God's workmanship, that God has a program and plan for your life. You are a divine product. Remember, we can create nothing. Only God creates. Creation is the divine prerogative of the Almighty. You with me this morning to say that? Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. So that's what we are in Christ. What you are in this world, this is where we live, this is where we walk. Amen? Philippians 2, 15 and 16, first part of verse 16. 
that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. No, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. Let me quickly just do a, a, a little autopsy here of this verse. I, I want to just quickly run through some of these words, important words that are used here. He uses the word blameless. Blameless here means faultless, free from defect, harmless. The idea of innocent and purity, innocent as far as evil is concerned. Then he talks about a crooked and perverse generation, crooked, dishonest, unjust, harsh, unscrupulous, perverse is the idea of distorted and depraved. Those who have turned away from the truth and are corrupted. We are living in a society that has turned from the truth. Not only that, but they have dismissed God from their psyche. We don't need you. We have become enlightened. And what we are seeing are the consequences of a society that has turned their back on God. And that's the world we live in. But what are we in this world? Note, the verse says shine. Jesus said we are lights in a darkened world. So what does he say here? That you are to shine in this world. <laughs> the light of Jesus. You are the light of Jesus in a darkened world. Now, shine is not something we do. In fact, it's in the passive voice, that particular word, which means the subject is receiving the action, not doing the action. In other words, it's something that's happening to us and through us. The light of the Almighty is now working in us and through us into the darkened world. Are, are you with me this morning? This is, you simply show up. You simply show up. You simply be who you are now in Christ. And guess what? The shining is already at work and being energized through you by the spirit and presence of the almighty God. Whether you're on your job, whether you're at Walmart, whether you're at the gasoline pump, you simply shine. You are light to the world. Glory. That's who you are, lights. And the world we live in, he describes this world, the world like that world then, the Philippians, the world today like theirs is unscrupulous and perverted. Most people have turned their backs on God and the truth. In this kind of world, God's people shine like stars in a dark night. One man said this, man is half beast and half devil today because our world this age this culture foments violence evil iniquity and moral chaos a record of atrocities characterizes this generation to which we belong that's the world in which we live in another writer w.a chriswell he said by development there is never spiritual life only spiritual death there is no birth of light out of darkness. There is no purity 
out of filth. There is no birth out of grace. There is no birth of grace out of degeneration and depravity. Such regeneration must, hear this, such regeneration must come as a workmanship of the almighty God. Life would be filled with muck and mire forever were it not for the genius of God that could raise out of this a soul as beautiful in glory as the lily. May I say this morning, you are that lily. You are the result of the genius of God. We don't take that lightly. That's true. The devil doesn't want you to sense that. Now, that's not something that makes us arrogant. And, well, I like it. What I have. No. If anything, what that does, it humbles us. It creates in our heart and in our spirit of reverential awe. We cry like David did in the Psalms. Who is man that you are mindful of him? Lord, you know, when I think of the fact that God delights in me more than I delight in him, God wants me to come to him more than I desire to go to him at times because we're fleshly. God's love and commitment and faithful to us is incomprehensible. And that is an eternal fact. No matter how you respond to God, it will not change God's love and commitment to you. You can pull his beard. You can spit in his face. You can beat his back raw. You can nail him to a cross. And he will die forgiving you and loving you. This humbles us who we are. We are God's chosen people. The world you are influencing. The Philippian believers were to shine as God's beacon in a darkened light. They were to shine like the brightness of the heavens on a clear starry night. Here is such a witness of life that is absolutely straight in a world that is crooked, warped, twisted, distorted, and perverted. Here you become lights. In a culture, remember we said at the beginning, in a sense we are all prophets. Why? We're messengers. Why? We carry the greatest message ever known to man. But we also need to comprehend, <laughs> Jesus didn't call us to win a popularity contest with the world. In fact, Jesus gave a very valid promise to the disciples before he left in John 16, 33. It's not a promise that I quote every morning, but it is a valid promise. And basically, Pastor Lewis, it's that promise that says, in the world, you're going to have all kinds of trouble. Woohoo! thank you, Lord. Glory. Called a tribulation, affliction. You're going to have trouble of all kinds. He also told the disciples in another place, if the world hated me, they're not going to be in love with you. Sometimes we miss. Listen, Christianity is not meant to be a subculture in this society. Christianity is meant to be a counterculture. But I'm thankful that when Jesus said, in this world you'll have all kinds of trouble, I mean, brace yourself. He didn't stop there. He said, but 
be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Victory, Pastor Sean. We've been singing about it all morning. The victory is already ours. We simply go through the motions. When Joshua entered into Canaan's land, finally, with the children of Israel and the armies of Israel, God told him in Joshua 1, everywhere your footsteps is yours. I have already given it to you, past tense. God wants you to know this morning, your life has already been charted. Your battles have already been won. Your path has already been paved. The victory is already assured. Just walk it out. Glory. Just because it was already theirs didn't mean they didn't have to fight. I mean, before long, they had to face the walls of Jericho. But we know what happened, didn't we? The walls came tumbling down, glory. Amen. That's who we are in Christ. So what does God want from us? God, you become lights in a culture. Hear this. Lights in a culture that is vehemently opposed to our message but that's nothing new it's been that way all through the ages the world has opposed the message so what do you do ready for this this is brilliant keep shining show up be who you are in Christ Jesus you are his luminaries now last of all what this means to you, Psalm 139, verse 16, last part of verse 16. In your book, I like that. Whose book? God's book. How many knows God has a library? In your book, they, they refers to your days. Hear this. In your book, they, your days, all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. God pre-recorded all the days of the psalmist before he was even born. God marvelously planned out his life. Albert Barnes in his commentary, he said this, all my days or all the periods of my life were delineated in thy book. That is when my substance, my form, was not yet developed, when yet an embryo, and when nothing could be determined from that by the eye of man as to what I was to be, all the future known to God and was written down. Just what should be my form and vigor. How long I should live. What I should be. What would be the events of my life. The days of my life were determined on. The whole matter was fixed and settled. Not by anything seen in the embryo. But before there was any form. Before there were any means of judging from what I then was to what I would be. Hear this. All was seen and arranged in the divine mind before there was one of them in actual existence. That's a lot. 
Let me break it down with the idea of the word book. Scroll. The word book in the Hebrew is the equivalent, Greek equivalent to the word biblion, where we get the word Bible, book, which is where we get that word. But it basically means a scroll. How many knows what a scroll is? You've seen pictures of scrolls. Man, I wish I had one. I'd have bought one this morning. You know, it's rolled up and it's got two handles and you open it up to read it. Now, now note, the word is scroll. This is God's parchment scroll in which your days were written. Now, how many knows you can't read a scroll like you read a book? Um, a book, you can flip a page, read ahead. Back and go to the end, read the conclusion. Come on up, Pastor Shelley. A scroll, you can't do that. A scroll has to be, catch this, unrolled. And you can only read what's directly in front of you. That, that, that's the way it's prepared. You can only read what is directly in front of you. So in a sense, when he says, my life is the scroll parchment of God, you can't see ahead. You can't read ahead. In fact, you wouldn't want to, I don't think. <laughs> you can see ahead of you. You wouldn't want to. You couldn't take it, comprehend it. Not to mention, it'd probably scare you out of your wits. But know this, God's plans for you are already written. That which you see then as that scroll of God, looking only what is in front of you, know that it is connected to what has gone on before and is connected to what's yet to come in our life. So what does that mean, Brother Engel? That means this. Simply trust God and don't allow the enemy to rob you of his peace. You with me this morning? You can only see right now. And right now may not make a lot of sense. It's that poem at times that seems illogical. But you know what? My trust is in God. Just this week I was in intercession for a situation and with an individual that I, I, I just confessed before God. I said, God, I'm baffled. I don't understand this. I've prayed for years and interceded. Where are you? Say, brother, and go, you prayed like that? Hey, read the book of Psalms sometimes. David gets a lot more personal than that with God. But you know what? God loves that. Why? It's real. It's real. Said, Lord, I'm baffled. Nothing has baffled me more in my life and ministry than this. And then I just simply prayed, but God, I trust you. I don't know, but I know you know. And I'll commit it again into your hands. I don't get it. I don't understand it. 
but I trust you. This means that what you're reading in front of you may not make sense at the time. But what's important is, what are we going to do with it? We simply commit it to God and understand He knows it all. He is alone, omniscient. He has it in control. One day, aren't you thankful? I guarantee there's coming a day when we'll stand before God and the picture will be seen and make sense and be beautiful. Glory. So your life is the scroll of God. Trust Him. So what do we do, Brother Ingle? Live in the present. Show up. Be who you are. You are God's work of art. You are His poem. You are His product. You are His masterpiece. So I leave you again with the words of Philippians 2.15, but from the Message Bible. And this is what it says. And I read, as I read this this morning, I'm not just reading a scripture. Here's what I want you to do. I really have felt strongly impressed in my heart this morning that as I read this, this is God's charge to every one of you here this morning. This is a charge from Almighty God, the Christ Point Church. What is Christ Point Church? Not this building, not these facilities. That just facilitates us. Your Christ Point Church. So hear God's charge to you this morning. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. Glory, stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. I want us to just worship Him right now and thank Him for who we are. Thank Him this morning according to the truth you've heard this morning, who you are in Christ. You are His. Heavenly Father, we are grateful this morning that you've called us, you've chosen us, you've designed us, you've made us, you've created us. Lord, you have prepared the works ahead of time that we should walk in. And it is by your presence, your Holy Spirit in our life that alerts us to that road, to that path. And not only that, it's your Spirit who energizes us to walk in that path down that road that you've already prepared and Lord in the end you will get the glory hallelujah hallelujah while everyone is praying here this morning and as I was in prayer these past couple of days as I said earlier the battle is fought mentally many times Satan has no power over you except the power of suggestion. That's all the power he has. Therefore, his lies and suggestions 
are combated with truth. And if you're here this morning and Satan seemingly, you just, I mean, you're saved, you love the Lord, God knows it, you're his child. But if there's a way I could put it, you've been harassed lately, mentally and emotionally by the enemy. Whether it's guilt, condemnation, depression, God wants to set you free this morning. His truth wants to cut away the chains mentally that the enemy has used to keep you down here this morning. He is a liar and the father of all lies, and there is absolutely no truth in him. And if you're here this morning and you need prayer, you just need the Lord to just break that chain, to lift you out, I want you to come forward right now without any further hesitation. We're going to have prayer. Amen. Don't you leave here. Amen. God bless. Don't you leave here. Don't you leave here as a victim of his lies. Know who you are in Jesus Christ. Glory, glory. Come on. I believe, I believe driving to church this morning, God was going to set Christians free this morning from the attacks of the enemy. Let me tell you, good news. The fact that he's attacking you means something's happening that's right. If he wasn't bothering you at all, you're no threat. But you happen to be a threat. So he's attacking any way he can. That's the good news. Glory. So let's stretch our hands forward and let's believe God right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you.